Good morning, everyone. Um, if we've not met, my name is Freya. I'm an intern here. Um, and I am giving the sermon today now and at the hour of 11.30. So if you're staying, you'll hear this twice. Yeah, you're very, very lucky people. Um, so we are embarking not quite on a sermon series, but on a bit of a journey over the next few weeks about uh, the good news, and not just um, the good news, the good news of the gospel, um, but the goodness that God has shown to us as individuals, the reason why we're still here, and why we want to invite people to join us. Um, That is part of the whole point of moving to these two services, is that we now have more space in the pews so that we can invite more people in. Um, As we were praying before, Andrew had a picture of um, like rolling down a drawbridge and the idea that it is all of our role to um, make space for more people to come in. But um, it can sometimes feel like, why we, would we want to invite anyone into this? And I don't mean this church, because this church is great, but I mean the church as a whole, the global church. If you look at the news in this country, you might just think, The church is full of infighting and division and there's always some sort of scandal or um, relationship breakdown. Or um, you might look at the news in another country and say, well, the church is being persecuted and people are suffering. Or um, you might know some Christians and think, oh, I know some Christians, they're really rude or really weird. Why would I want to invite people into that? Um, But I'm 24. And I still do. I still want to invite people into that. And my job today is to tell you why. And um, when you've been a Christian, as long as you can remember, uh, it can be difficult uh, to have kind of a past testimony. So I um, don't really have a moment of conversion. I've never really had a period away from the church. Um, I don't really have like a before and after to give you. And I don't even have like an obvious scripture. So you know lots of people have like that one Bible verse or that one story um, that was given to them or um, that has just been really spoken into their life at a specific time, something like that. Um, I don't really have one of those because I just have lots. Like I haven't had that, um, that moment of before I was like in church and after. Um, But uh, the vicar asked me uh, to look for something and I chose uh, the Psalm 71 that we just had because of this. So I went back over all my old diaries from the last sort of five years or so and I read back all the way through them, which as you can imagine was very cringe. And um, Psalm 71 kept coming up and it was specifically this bit in the middle. For you have been my hope, sovereign Lord, my confidence since my youth. From my birth I have relied on you. You brought me forth from my mother's womb. I will ever praise you. And I love that because I identify it with it so much. That will always be, no matter what happens in my life, that will always be true of me. I don't really have a before and after, but I can say, you have been my hope, sovereign Lord, my confidence since my youth. The other thing I love um, about this passage, as in the whole of it, 
is that it talks about through the psalmist's many struggles, God has always been a rock, somewhere to take refuge. And uh, as I was going back through my diaries, I made a list of um, you know, the various ups and downs, the various struggles through which I have found God to be faithful. And I uh, just did a little bullet point to read out to you quickly. So, list, through things, list of things through which I have found God to be faithful. Chronic illness of a family member, relocation, bad breakup, mental illness of a family member, family estrangement, bad breakup, school, university degree, really bad breakup, <laughs> relocation, unemployment, mental illness of a friend, life-threatening illness of a friend, relocation, 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 loneliness, bereavement, lost home in a fire, job insecurity, lost a few more things in a fire, job uncertainty, relocation. And I say this uh, not to be flippant about our suffering, uh, because it was a big deal, um, but to demonstrate to you that when I talk about God's faithfulness, God's com- confidence in God since my youth, I don't mean everything has been wonderful for the whole of my life, and since you brought me forth from my mother's womb, it's all been wonderful, and that's why I've got hope. I mean, things have been difficult, things have been hard, some things have um, felt overwhelming, but God has been my confidence. Another thing I love about this passage is that it exposes one of the great desires in my life. It talks about when I'm old and grey, that God will still not have forsaken me, that I will still um, come to the end with my hope in God, that I will live the whole of my life within the love of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, which will always be the rock to which I can go. Now, the benefit of um, speaking to you from the perspective of someone who's kind of always been in church, who has never really had a long period away, is that I could tell you story after story about how God has been with me and my family. Each of those um, little bullet points of suffering um, has a story behind it that I could go into. And it says in the psalm, My mouth will tell of your righteous deeds, of your saving acts all day long, but I don't know how to relate them all. I don't know the measure of them. So I'm actually not going to do that. Even though I have a, a great memory and I like to talk about those things, and um, you are free to ask me about them, I think you would get bored if you just sat here and listened to me kind of list all the things God has done for me. So I'm just going to tell you uh, one thing based on a question I was asked a few weeks ago at PCC. Someone said to me, kind of coming to the end of your internship, your last kind of wrapping up of this year, what is the one thing that you want to tell the church? And I think what I want to most emphasize to you is this. That God remains the same age to age, yes. But that God never becomes familiar. God is God. And though um, is revealed through what is mundane and familiar often, our lives can be familiar and mundane, even our Christian walks can be familiar and mundane, but God does not become boring. God is alive, which means he is always resurrecting and reviving and making something new. And I've had to learn this again and again as I have attempted to box him in 
I've spent so much of my life saying, Jesus, please make things like they were before. Please make things um, like I think they should be. Please make things like this perfect picture I have in my head. And almost never have I been given that. But almost always have I been given something better. I'm in a different job than I thought I would be in. I'm in a different relationship than I thought I would be in. A different location and a different vocation. If you will um, bear with me for a minute while I take you back through the diaries to my university years. And I studied um, literature at university, which meant a lot of literary theory, which is as exciting as it sounds. And uh, one of the theories we learnt about in literary theory was something called defamiliarization. So uh, there was this Russian man, and he came up with this idea of defamiliarization. So basically, he talks about um, an artist or a novelist or a preacher. They take something that is mundane and normal to us, and the way they describe it or paint it or relate it to us is so strange that it helps us to see it for the first time. And my prayer for you is that God would become unfamiliar to you again. It would become strange to you again so that you can see again his beauty and his grace and his goodness. And I've got um, three little examples of what I mean by that. So, the first, we can go to the sheep slide, is um, the Good Shepherd. So I think for lots of people, uh, even those of us who aren't Christians, the most familiar kind of image of Jesus that he talks about himself is the Good Shepherd. And um, lots of us are very familiar with that image. But do we actually know what that means? Because um, we can think of it as like towel on head, crook, like cute lamb. Um, But I grew up on a sheep farm, so when I hear Jesus is the good shepherd, I hear something very different to that. I hear that Jesus is the one who, when I'm hobbling about and can't walk, holds me down and trims my feet and digs the rot out of my hooves so that I can walk solidly again. I hear Jesus is the one who pushes me into a bath of disinfectant so that I can come out the other side clean and free of disease. I hear Jesus is the one that when I have very stupidly lain down on my side and I'm too fluffy to get back up again, comes along and writes me and puts me on my feet again. It's a very intimate and meaningful image to me. Can we go to the next slide? Yeah, so there on the left, that's a picture of Jesus that I found being a good shepherd. And there on the right, that's me, age 11, with a newborn lamb. And uh, you can see that I have only half managed to change out of my school uniform before the labor started. And I'm holding uh, that baby lamb covered in kind of vernix and afterbirth and probably poop. And it's a very different image than we are familiar with. Jesus is the one who, when I am born and my lungs are still full of fluid, blows into my nose and mouth and swings me round by my ankles until I can breathe properly. I could go on, but I'm not going to. So that's image number one. 
God is unfamiliar and beautiful again to us. And this is kind of how I felt when I did Alpha. If you've not done Alpha, I recommend it to you. I finally did it um, this year at the age of 24, and I felt like I fell in love with Jesus all over again. I can't recommend it enough. And I can't recommend it enough as something that it's okay to invite people to. It's not embarrassing. Second example. Can we go to the next slide? I thought for a very long time about how to explain this to you. Uh, and I decided to not go with the Wallace and Gromit image because I thought this was a bit more, a bit more beautiful. So, <clears throat> in um, my diaries of 2015, I uh, wrote a lot about this passage in Joshua about embracing the hill country. And you can see me reflecting over the year of what that meant for me and where was God leading me and what did it mean to embrace the hill country. And uh, you don't see me really come to a conclusion, but at the end of that year, I moved to Scotland. And in Scotland, um, there's a lot of hills and mountains, and sometimes when you're walking among them, the fog comes down. And when you're standing in the middle of a fog, you can see kind of the 10 feet around you, but not any further. And the only way to see the next bit of the path, the only way to see more of the landscape, is to walk into the next bit. And once you're standing in it, you can see further. You can see new rocks and new trees and um, where the path is going. But you can't see the next bit until you walk further into it. And so it has been with God for me. The older I've got, the more questions I've had, the further up and further in I've had to go. I've learnt... um, new ways of praying, new spiritual disciplines. Learn more about um, the Bible. Learn more about the sacraments. Learn from more wise people. Experience more of God's presence. It's not just a, yes, you get saved and then you get baptized and maybe you're confirmed and then you just try and hold on to how you feel in that moment for the rest of your life. That doesn't work. You have to walk in to see more. And uh, the final um, image is this. So, um, you probably will if you've been in church for any amount of time, but just give me a wave if you know the song, How Great Is Our God. Yes. How Great Is Our God was released in 2004. It's one of the most kind of popular Christian songs ever, sung in all kinds of churches all over the world. And um, I don't like to boast, but I tell you what, I know that song. I've been singing that song for 13 years. I know every word. I know the tune. I know all the harmonies. I know the backing vocal parts. I know the spontaneous bit in the middle with the instrumental. I know the bit where the chorus and the bridge split off. And I could sing the whole thing in my sleep. And I'll be honest, I don't think we've sung it here. Well, I've been here, actually. But when it comes on somewhere, or when it's sung in a church that I'm in, I kind of sing it like this. I can sing it completely on autopilot. It no longer means anything to me. But then, about this time uh, last year, uh, Josh sent me a message and he said, oh, I'm listening to this hip-hop album and it's really cool and you should listen to it. And I was like, okay, so I was listening to this hip-hop album. Very good, not necessarily my thing. And then in the middle, Um, came this version of How Great Is Our God. And Larry's going to play a bit for us. You might need to unmute the desk. 
just so I can explain to you how it felt to me. Got it? There was since the far east. in the voices, the change in the melody. And suddenly I was like, oh my goodness, actually how great is our God? Like, actually, isn't he like the name above all names? Isn't that amazing? Um, even in the most kind of tired and hackneyed and um, familiar parts of Christ this Christian walk, there is more and there is new things to be had. And if you were here a few weeks ago, you heard me talk about um, the day of Jesus' resurrection as like the eighth day of creation. We're used to the seventh day, seven days. We're used to the seven days rolling around. And then Jesus rises from the grave, and it's like an eighth day. And if you um, are old and gray, there is more for you. If you are um, tired and depressed, there is more. There is more to walk into. If you have unsolved questions in your heart, that's fine, because there is more. If you are too comfortable, there is more. If you are struggling with the Bible, there is more. If you've never let anyone pray for you to receive the Holy Spirit, there's more. If you've never done Alpha, there is more. If you've never told your friends you're a Christian, there's more. There's more, there's more, there's more. Because God is more trustworthy than you think. His intentions towards you are more wonderful than you think. There are more ways to pray and worship than the ones you grew up with. God is more faithful and more powerful, more loving, more just, and more wise. And that is why, based on my experience uh, over the last 24 years, I can say with the psalmist, as for me, I will always have hope. And for me, that feels more like as for me, I will go on having hope. And there will be go on being things that challenge that hope, and I will go on looking for hope, and I will go on finding hope. Um, so if it's not, like, too pretentious, if it is, I'm going to do it anyway, because I don't have anything else to end with, um, I'm going to leave you with what I wrote in my diary 
in May of 2016. And that is this. May all that is challenging and wonderful and complicated in your life be an altar at which you meet Jesus again, not for the first time, but bigger and more beautiful than when you last saw him. Amen.